0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour. (laughs) Okay, I'm psyched. I truly am. (laughs) Yes, our topic today is escape from guilt. Escape from guilt. And we're going to be looking at chapter 13, section 9, entitled The Cloud of Guilt. So let's begin with our hands on our hearts, breathing in the love, breathing in the gratitude, raising ourselves up, lifting ourselves up. With the gratitude, we are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, to the unlimited. We are grateful to allow ourselves to truly know what's real, what's honest, what's clear, that we are the love of God and so is everyone else. So we're grateful to open our minds and our hearts to the truth. We're willing to value the truth more than any story that we've ever made up, more than any memory that we've held on to. We are willing to go back to our original instructions to be truly helpful. We are grateful that this is our holy purpose and we have everything we need pre-installed within us. We are pre-approved. And we are grateful to relinquish any and all attachments to feeling guilty and any attachments to triggering others into feeling guilty. We are grateful to wake from the dream the illusion of separation. In gratitude, sharing the benefits with all beings, we let this healing be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, yes. <laughs> so good. So grateful. All right, let's dive right here in here. It begins with, guilt remains the only thing that hides the father, for guilt is the attack upon his son. The guilty always condemn, and having done so, they will still condemn, linking the future to the past is the ego's law. So, when we condemn, we're perpetuating the past we're validating the past mistakes we're affirming them we're reinvesting we're doubling down and so the way to remove the suffering from our psyche is to remove the guilt and how do we do that stop condemning stop complaining Stop attacking, be loving, be kind, be wholehearted, gentle-hearted. How do we do that all the time? Well, let's not shoot for all the time. Let's do the best we can in this moment. Much, much easier to just be, do the best we can in this moment. Be as loving as we can in this moment. As peaceful as we can In this moment, that is the way and the place for us to begin. Choosing that, partnering up, being in tune with that higher voice, and then we can succeed and build upon that success. Fidelity to this law, the ego's law of linking the future to the past Fidelity to this law lets no light in, for it demands fidelity to darkness and forbids awakening. The ego's laws are strict, and breaches are severely punished. Therefore, give no obedience to ego laws, for they are laws of punishment. And those who follow them believe that they are guilty, and so they must condemn. So the, the ones who feel guilty must condemn. The ones who feel guilty must condemn. That's what he said earlier. The guilty always condemn. And having done so, they will do so some more. Yep. That's the thing. Now remember, too, Jesus says, the guiltless mind cannot suffer. The guiltless mind cannot suffer. So the whole issue here really is guilt. And the guilt is an expression of the fear. And if you ask me, it's all about punishing. It's all about punishing. It's all about thinking that there was a sin, that... We chose to separate from our creator, which we cannot do. It's an illusion. And then punishing ourselves with the guilt for an apparition within an illusion. The guilt is an apparition within an illusion. That's me saying that. So imagine that in a dream you stole something. And then in your waking life, you punish yourself for having stolen something in a dream. Feeling guilty because you stole something in a dream. Maybe in a dream, you have sexual encounter with your neighbor's Spouse, right? Do not cover covet your neighbor's wife, spouse. Uh, and so in a dream, that happens, and then you wake up and you feel guilty and ashamed as though you actually committed that adultery. Does it make sense? Not to me. Not to me. Having the thought does not mean you're punishable or guilty. Ever. Many the time, many is the time that we have a thought pass through our awareness. It's not even our thought, it's somebody else's thought. But our mind is open to the vibration of that thought. It's like people talk about, oh, their their vibe brings me down. I can't stand to be around them because they're a downer. No, other people are not downers. Our thoughts about them are downers. Nobody can bring us down without our full engagement and permission. And we need to remember that. So if we attack someone mentally for being a downer, saying, Oh, I can't stand them. They're such a downer. They bring me down. I don't like to be around them. If we're having these attack thoughts about that person, we'll feel guilty. Because it's our job to be truly helpful not to attack. Being in attack mode is the opposite of being truly helpful. Being in attack mode is harmful, not helpful. So then we feel guilty. And still, it's occurring in a dream. So guilt and punishment are not appropriate. Might seem very hard to imagine, but it's true. Guilt and punishment are not appropriate. Yet, They are the way of the ego, right? So, the ego's laws are strict and breaches are severely punished. Therefore, give no obedience to its laws, for they are laws of punishment. So when we think there's a sin, we are obeying ego laws. We are judging whatever's going on and labeling it a sin, This is one of the ways that we play small. We get labeled in these ways and we think that the labels adhere to us psychically, emotionally. But in fact, we adhere to the labels. The labels don't adhere to us. It's the other way around. That's my perception. So... Those who follow the ego laws believe that they are guilty and so they must condemn. You start by condemning yourself and then others. Between the future and the past, the laws of God must intervene if you would free yourself. Atonement stands between them. So, atonement stands between the future and the past like a lamp shining so brightly. That the chain of darkness in which you bound yourself will disappear. Release from guilt is the ego's whole undoing. Release from guilt is the ego's whole undoing. So if you'd like to undo your ego identification, release yourself from the guilt. How do you do that? When you notice that you're feeling upset of any kind, underlying that is guilt. And then, and the upset is the punishment. And so, hand it all over to that higher Holy Spirit self. Don't struggle with it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't go to somebody and have a conversation. Just go to the Holy Spirit for a healing. Do it quickly, and you'll see how quickly you can undo. This ego identification. Release from guilt is the ego's whole undoing. Make no one fearful, for his guilt is yours. And by obeying the ego's harsh commandments, you bring its condemnation on yourself. And you will not escape the punishment it offers those who obey it. The ego rewards fidelity to it with pain. For faith in the ego is pain. And faith can be rewarded only in terms of the belief in which the faith was placed. So this is one of the things I say frequently is, in every moment we are placing our trust in our perceptions, or in God, in spirit, it, when our faith and our trust are in our perceptions, this is what is occurring, just exactly what it says here. Faith can be rewarded only in terms of the belief in which the faith was placed. So when we place our faith in our perceptions, in our opinions, in our judgments, believing that we are right, And others are wrong, believing that we're better or believing that we're worse. When we place our faith in these false beliefs, then we will suffer. And, as it says here, faith can be rewarded only in terms of the belief in which the faith was placed. So we place our faith in in love that's not a belief when we fit place our faith in god that's not a belief the truth is true beliefs are not truth or we would call them truth so when we place our faith faith in beliefs we're going to experience the ensuing pain, and suffering that must occur because those false beliefs are actually false idols that we are, in a sense, worshiping, adoring, valuing more than God itself, more than love itself. It says, faith makes the power of belief where it is invested Determines its reward. So when our faith is in ego, opinions, judgments, beliefs, then the reward will be punishment. (laughs) It's suffering. And when our faith is placed in love, in truth, then the reward is peace, it's harmony. Prosperity and wholeness and freedom and joy and all of the spiritual qualities. Faith is always given what is treasured, and what is treasured is returned to you. So that's the return to love, the return to peace, the return to joy. When we place our faith in spirit, we return to what's real. And we get to decide where we place our faith and trust, in God or mammon, as the Bible would say, mammon being ego. The world can give you only what you gave it, for being nothing but your own projection, it has no meaning apart from what you found in it and placed your faith in. So in other words, you get from this world what you put into it because it's your projection. It has no meaning apart from what you found in it. it has no meaning apart from the meaning that you gave it and placed your faith in. Be faithful unto darkness and you will not see. Because your faith will be rewarded as you gave it. Invest your faith in darkness and you will not see. Remember how Jesus, when he walked the earth, he said, This is for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And the ones who have eyes to see and ears to hear are the ones who put their faith in truth. Right seeing is the reward of those who practice right mindedness. So then they're not deluded and I'm trying to think of the word there. It's right ah, on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> when we place our faith in ego, we're deluded, we're delusional. But when we invest in the truth, We're set free. And we get to decide what we're going to do. And the thing is, with most of us, we go back and forth. This way, that way, this way, that way. And when we do that, what happens is we always feel off balance and unstable. When we're oscillating back and forth between valuing the truth and valuing our opinions, as many of us do... We always are feeling off balance. We're not really fully living our life because we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We're afraid to trust the truth and then we invest in our opinions and our judgments and then we feel the fear that that necessarily uh, brings us. That's what it entails when we invest in the ego. There is going to be fear there's going to be worry it's not optional so when that is occurring if it it pushes us to go the other way the pain pushes and the vision of truth pulls the pain of separation pushes us to choose god's holy vision and that vision of our perfection of our magnificence of our beauty and wholeness is always pulling us, always, always, always. And we get to decide where we're going to place our focus. And a lot of that is habitual. It really is. And so this leads me to uh, a poem by Kahil Gibran that, uh, I don't know, sometime last year in 2022, Two, I stumbled across this poem on YouTube. It was a video, and someone had recorded an audio track to it that uh truly inspired me and i uh am so happy to uh get inspired. Spirit said, Oh, share that today this This will go along with living in the guilt." Managing and Coping with the Guilt. So again, it's by Khalil Gibran. And it's called Do Not Love Half Lovers. Do not love half lovers. Do not love half lovers. Do not entertain half friends. Do not indulge in works of the half talented. Do not live half a life And do not die a half-death. If you choose silence, then be silent. When you speak, do so until you are finished. Do not silence yourself to say something, and do not speak to be silent. If you accept, then express it bluntly. Do not mask it. If you refuse, then be clear about it, for an ambiguous refusal is but a weak acceptance. Do not accept half a solution. Do not believe half-truths. Do not dream half a dream. Do not fantasize about half-hopes. Half a drink will not quench your thirst. Half a meal will not satiate your hunger. Half the way will get you nowhere. Half an idea will bear you no results. Your other half is not the one you love. It is you in another time, yet in the same space. It is you when you are not. Half a life is a life you didn't live, a word you have not said, a smile. You postponed a love you have not had a friendship. You did not know to reach and not arrive work and not work attend only to be absent. What makes you a stranger to them closest to you and they strangers to you. The half is a mere moment of inability But you are able, for you are not half a being. You are a whole that exists to live a life, not half a life. Isn't that wonderful? Do not believe half-truths. So, let us stand in the light... And not half in and half out. For me, a life-changing choice was to say, I'm going all in. Because up to that point, I was not all in. And even when I went all in, I stumbled and fell all the time. I'd fall back. I'd fall to the wayside. I'd get confused, go the wrong way. But eventually, I saw the opportunity to really commit to being loving all the time. Even though I'm, I have found it very difficult to be consistent in that, the ever-increasing consistency that I experience with every passing day is an absolute joy to me. The fact that I can be more consistently loving with every passing day makes each day more worthwhile than the one before it. No matter that I'm aging, no matter that my hair is going gray and wrinkles are on my face or any of those things, that doesn't matter because with every passing day, I am more fulfilled... And more excited about life. Because with every passing day, I am more loving. And I am not living a half life anymore. Not playing small anymore. You know, some people were asking me about that phrase, playing small, uh, the other day. Because my Stop Playing Small retreat is coming up. In September, it's online, and people were asking me about playing small. To me, it is not the opposite of playing big. It's about really, truly living a life of love and putting love front and center. It's not about what I accomplish, it is about how I am, how I am living, how I am being in my life, in my relationships, in my activities and in my own experience of myself not playing small in those ways anymore means that my life is not half lived anymore and i'm very grateful for that yes all right well there you hear the music it's time for me to move into a break a uh, break's not very long so don't go very far <laughs> We're undoing the guilt so that we can stop living a half-life and live as our true identity. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Yes, my name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles. And we are talking about living without the guilt. Living without the shame and the regret. So escape from guilt. This is what we are talking about. We're looking at the cloud of guilt, which is section 9 in chapter 13. And so grateful to open ourselves To the clarity of the truth. Yes. Oh, and my Stop Playing Small retreat that I was talking about before the break. Uh, It's two weekends online in September. And very happy to have you join us also. Uh, Right now we have a package, a discounted package if you sign up for Stop Playing Small. And my Finding Freedom from Fear boot camp Which is in October It's on a huge early bird discount Till the end of August So if you've been waiting For me to do Finding Freedom from Fear again Only doing it once a year These days So if you're interested Now's the time Grab it while it's on early bird And if you're thinking of joining us In Masterful Living next year These programs are A really wonderful way To get in the groove And become a part of this community and uh, jump right into masterful living next year. All right. Paragraph 4. Atonement brings a reevaluation of everything you cherish. So atonement, accepting the unity of all life, brings a reevaluation of everything you cherish, for it is the means by which the Holy Spirit can separate the false and the true. Which you have accepted into your mind without distinction. So we've accepted into our mind, into our awareness, into our beliefs. False and true with no distinction between them. Because when we believe our opinions, we are believing the false. So truth and false, there's no distinction. Therefore... You cannot value one without the other, and guilt has become as true for you as innocence. You do not believe the Son of God is guiltless because you see the past and see him not. When you condemn a brother, you are saying, I, who was guilty, choose to remain so. Okay, full stop right there. When you condemn a brother, you are saying, I, who was guilty, choose to remain so. Now, let's just break this monkey down here because all the pain and suffering that we have is the punishment of the guilty. Every kind of upset, every kind of ailment, mental, emotional, physical, financial, all the suffering of the world is the punishment for the guilt. The guilt can be undone, it can be removed, because it's not real, it's not permanent, it's false, it's a projection. Now, when we condemn a brother, we're saying, I who was guilty choose to remain so. We cannot condemn anyone And not condemn ourselves. This is why we have to accept the atonement. We have to accept the unity of all life in order to be free. You have denied your brother's freedom. And by doing so, you have denied the witness unto yours. So we won't see our own freedom When we deny somebody else theirs, when we condemn someone else, we will automatically be condemning ourselves. And my perception of all of that is that when we condemn anyone, what we're we're going to experience is we're going to experience pain and suffering as a result. We're projecting into the world poisons and toxicity and there's no way that we are not going to experience the majority of that toxicity when we're spewing it. You could as easily have freed him from the past and lifted from his mind the cloud of guilt that binds him to it. And in his freedom would have been your own. So this, in in our community, in Masterful Living and Finding Freedom, we really put the pedal to the metal on self-forgiveness. We also do that in the Stop Playing Small Retreat. And one of the clear results that we see year after year after year after year after year after year after year, after year Uh, We're doing the self-forgiveness work and really putting our full attention on it as a methodology for healing everything. Healing the body, healing chronic pain, healing depression, healing relationship issues, financial issues, healing whatever is going on. The way we're doing it is through this self-forgiveness. And it's extraordinary how it works. If you know anything about the Hawaiian practice of forgiveness known as Ho'oponopono, you know how powerful these practices are, that they literally can transform things. I was talking with someone recently about this. Look, people who are new to this and haven't actually done the deeper work themselves they're just reading about it thinking about it talking about it but not actually doing it and it usually that's everybody for years before we finally dive into actually doing the healing work but once we start actually doing the healing work we see that not only does it undo our pain and suffering but it has a profound and healing effect And everybody we're close to. Everybody we're deeply connected to. And so we really begin to get there's one life that's being lived here. So instead of seeking to change the world or change my body or change my neighbor, I change my mind about the world, my body, my neighbor. And then those things actually change. Because all the disturbances that we see projected onto our mind, our body, our neighbor, are emanating from our awareness. They are our projections. So when we stop seeking to change the world as our primary objective, but instead our primary objective becomes to see the world correctly... Then we uh, move into turbocharged healing experience that has no limits that can be scary to the ego identified person, healing without limits, living without limits, not playing small anymore, not succumbing to the labels and the lack and the limitation but moving into the unlimited and the unprecedented. That's what we can do if we're willing. It does take strength and courage as well as willingness. When you condemn a brother, you are saying, I who was guilty choose to remain so. You've denied his freedom, and by doing so, You have denied the witness unto your freedom. You could as easily have freed him from the past and lifted from his mind the cloud of guilt that binds him to it, and in his freedom would have been your own. Lay not his guilt upon him, for his guilt lies in his secret thought that he has done this unto you. Would you then teach him, He is right in his delusion. The idea that the guiltless Son of God can attack himself and make himself guilty is insane. In any form, in any one, believe this not. For sin and condemnation are the same, and the belief in one is faith in the other, calling for punishment instead of love. Nothing can justify insanity, and to call for punishment upon yourself must be insane. Yep, it sure is, and yet we do it, right? We do it. Ah, oh, we feel drawn to do it. Why do we feel drawn to do it? Because we feel guilty for punishing our brothers and sisters. So for me, that's why I began with, let me just stop judging everybody else. Then maybe I can stop judging myself. And it worked. It worked. And I saw how incredibly tempted I was to judge my brothers and sisters every minute of every day. But I began giving those judgments to the Holy Spirit. I began remembering to laugh. I began going the other way and recognizing when I was strongly attached or even a little bit attached to my opinions, judgments, and perceptions. And by working with the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit do the healing and the clearing, so much was accomplished so much was healed and it's crazy how quickly the mind can heal when we're truly willing the course tells us this but we won't believe it until we experience it that's for sure many people just have as a baseline belief this stuff works for other people Not for me. I don't have what it takes. I'm not that special. I'm too far gone. I can't be healed. I can't be saved. But I'm more interested in this than in other things. I'm going to put my attention on this, even though it's not going to work for me. I can't tell you how many people have told me that's how they feel. So I've come to know that this is really how the majority feels. Works for others, but not for me. And lordy, lordy, that for sure was exactly how I used to feel. That was playing small. That was being entrenched in playing small. That was totally buying into lack and limitation. And for me, I can honestly say that I believed that I was permanently stuck in that hole. Permanently. No way out. Nothing could have been further from the truth, but I still believed it, even though it wasn't true, not even a little bit. (sighs) Ah, life. So lay not his guilt upon him, don't trigger other people's guilt. But you see, triggering other people's guilt, if you just think about this, think about people you love and are close to. Think about when you recently triggered their guilt. Simple ways that we trigger other people's guilt. I know I've talked about this before, but we are so blind to it at times so I'm I'm training myself to be super sensitive to it so that I don't jump on it. Because it definitely was one of my... one of the knives in my... I don't know what people keep knives in <laughs> to stab other people with. But it was definitely one of the weapons in my arsenal. I'll use that metaphor. Okay. so making other people feel guilty how would we do that so many ways let's just some popular simple ones I asked you to clean up your room how many times have I asked you to clean up your room I do all these things for you this is all for you and you can't even clean up your room You disgust me. You're such a disappointment. Blah, blah, blah. That is all trying to motivate people with guilt. Right? To poke them with guilt to get them to do what you want. Or to punish them, I should say, actually, and or to punish them for not doing what we wanted. Poke them. Punish them, motivate them to finally do what we want them to do. Uh, Another way that we make people feel guilty is well, you said you were going to do it. Why didn't you do it? You promised me. You said you would. The disappointment, blaming them for our disappointment. You broke your word, you broke your agreement making them feel guilty, you're a liar. You said you would do it. You didn't do it. Isn't that lying? So this is so common. This is so common. When we feel upset by things, we blame other people for it, So that they'll feel guilty for it, projecting our own guilt onto them, right? Because if we were living in integrity, we would say, I'm responsible for what I see and I choose the feelings I would have. So if I choose to be miserable or I choose to feel guilty, that's my choice. Why would I blame anyone else for it? But we do blame people for how we feel all the time why do we do that so we trigger their guilt and in a way when we trigger other people's guilt it shows that we have power over them and it binds them to us and one of the experiences i have is that people assume that we are triggering their guilt, poking them even when we haven't said or thought anything about it. They are so expecting to be punished, to be stabbed with the, the guilt knife that they behave as though they have been stabbed even when they haven't. I've had that happen so many times with many different people. You think I'm an idiot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where is this coming from? You think I'm not good enough. Maybe they aren't using these words exactly, but this is what they're thinking. And I can literally say to them, uh uh honestly i have not had these thoughts i have not had these thoughts i wh- and i can in in actual authentic and honest curiosity say what what is what am i doing or saying that would lead you to conclude these things and i remember one time it was very significant to me somebody we had an email exchange. I hired somebody to do a task. I had never hired this person before, but I hired them instead of other people because they were. I knew they were having trouble paying their mortgage that month, and I knew they could use some extra money, and I knew they could do the task and do it well. So I offered them the work to do. It was a limited piece of work, and uh, emailed them outlining what the task was. And they emailed me back and they said, basically, do you think I'm an idiot and I have no idea what I'm doing? I've done this kind of thing for years. I know all about it. Why are you talking to me this way? (laughs) And I emailed them back and I said, forgive me because I, I don't actually know what you know and don't know. You and I have never had a conversation about this. And so I am just looking to be helpful and to be clear so that I can get delivered to me what I need in this venture. And then I said, you've known me for many years as a friend. Have I ever been patronizing or condescending to you at all? And they wrote me back and said, no, you haven't. And I said, then I'm just curious, why did you think I was being patronizing and condescending now? What did I say? What did I do that led you to that conclusion? And then they could actually see there was nothing I said or did. It was purely their perception, their projection, their interpretation, the meaning they made of it, because they were coming from that guilt, the unconscious guilt. And it was the unconscious guilt, I would bet you, that was the generator of the difficulty in paying the mortgage in the first place. That they they didn't feel worthy of being financially supported by the universe because of how they thought about themselves. Because they were blaming other people for their feelings. Because this person totally blamed me for upsetting them. For sure. Because they interpreted what I was communicating instead of being helpful as being patronizing and condescending and that interpretation deeply upset them but it wouldn't have if they didn't have that underlying unconscious guilt and so we can poke that underlying unconscious guilt in a myriad of different ways and for me what's been very very helpful is to recognize that simple truth I am the one who's creating this mess and so I am the one who can stop creating this mess and instead replace it with more peace, more love, more joy. So in the moment when we are starting to feel disgruntled in any way if we can be very observant of ourselves and look for any temptation we have to make our brothers and sisters feel guilty and to manipulate them and control them with their own guilt if we can stop doing that we will set ourselves free we can set ourselves free See no one then as guilty, and you will affirm the truth of guiltlessness unto yourself. In every condemnation that you offer the Son of God lies the conviction of your own guilt. If you would have the Holy Spirit make you free of it, accept his offer of atonement for all your brothers. For so you learn that it is true for you. Remember always that it is impossible to condemn the Son of God in part. Those whom you see as guilty become the witnesses to guilt in you, and you will see it there, for it is there until it is undone. So right now in the United States, it's so perfect for this teaching There are so many high-profile legal cases, very high-profile legal cases, uh, talking about the most important legal cases in the history of the United States, okay? This is what I keep hearing in the news, and so... If we are laughing about somebody's guilt, if we are feeling angry about somebody's guilt, if we are energizing somebody's guilt and that they should be punished, just know you are talking about yourself. You cannot project onto another human being anything and not take it on yourself. Not take it upon yourself. So we can acknowledge, okay, perhaps crimes were committed. Perhaps not. If crimes were committed in, in the ego's laws, in the country's laws, we can have due process. And that will go how it goes. And... Still, punishment is not the answer. The ends is in the means. So a loving God and a loving person offers correction, not punishment. We could say rehabilitation, compassion. And yes, it's tricky to figure these things out. And how do we actually do this in our modern world? But if we give it over to spirit, then it can be resolved and dissolved permanently. The energetics of it. And that's really what we're interested in. The liberation. Whew. So much goodness and healing. All right. It's time for me to go. Just a reminder, we do forgiveness workshops twice a month. Get on the list. Go to the Jennifer Hadley events page at jenniferhadley.com. See what we've got offered there. And come join us in something wonderful. We are grateful and thankful for the blessings of God every day in every way. and We share the benefits with all. Mwah! I love you. Amen, amen, amen.